Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Clobberin' Time, the pro wrestling podcast. My name is Tom Bryan. I am a writer slash editor for Stereogum.com. And with me, as always, is my friend Damien Abraham. Yo, how's it going? It's good, man. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Yeah, like, sorry, everyone. I think uh, we had uh, a huge show planned, and then it kept getting postponed, postponed, and postponed. So we decided to make a huge show to take its place in the meantime. Also, Damien is like an international fucking recording artist who had like <laughs> yeah. music festivals to play and shit like that. Played with a uh, former WCW superstars, the Misfits, this past weekend. And also, Matt Cross was there from. Lucha oh no, Man. shit! Son of Havoc. Son of Havoc was in the house. And, Did you uh, meet him? No, I, I, we were in and out so quick, unfortunately, that I didn't get a chance to talk to him. But I talked to him about. Uh, Potentially coming on uh, uh, a sister show of this show at some point. Well, uh, we'll have him come on this show, man. Okay, okay, yeah, we'll have him come on this show too. I I think that's the thing is like, uh, don't worry, I'm working on a wrestler to come on this show that I think will be pretty fun (laughs) Uh, right now. And uh, not that not that you know, Son of Havoc wouldn't be a great guest to have on the show too. But I, I, I feel like I should know more about him other than the fact that he is Son of Havoc and Lucha Underground, and I don't. Like, I wouldn't recognize him without the weird, like, black, like, underwear he wears on his head. Well, I saw him wrestle up here because he's, like, kind of a localish guy, right? Like, being from, uh, I think, Cleveland, right? He's based out of? or I, I don't know. Pretty sure it's Cleveland. Um, and uh, so he would come up and wrestle some of the, like, sort of small, like, small, bigger indie shows that would happen around here. And, uh, yeah, like, so, you know, I'd see him in that stuff, but I had no idea that he was a punk hardcore kid in the way that he is till recently. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So in the, uh, in the time that we have been away, many, many, many things have happened in the, in the world of professional wrestling. Oh yes. And we got a big guest on this week. We got Danko Jones and we have a fun kind of long conversation about, uh, about the sort of eighties wrestling he grew up on. And yeah. so it's that's kinda- going to be fun. So we're not going to pick apart every single thing that happens in wrestling while we were not recording podcasts. No, and I think the thing is, um, eh, there's like there. Thankfully, is so much to talk about that I imagine some of these things will be relevant in the weeks to come. So we they'll come up again, and we can talk about them then. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we're going to, we're going to try to be a little better about doing this every week. Yes. But again, you know, we're grown ups and stuff. So stuff happens. Stuff but happens. one thing, one thing that I did want to bring up was a, was a, uh, a person who is special to both Damien and myself. Uh, uh, one CM Punk had a, had an eventful couple weeks. Mm-hmm. He got, he went into the octagon, uh, something he'd been 
working up to doing for several years, and then he just got he got wrecked in, I would say, humiliating fashion. Would you say that? Well, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's such a, like, because I would say no, because kind of everyone thought that this was going to probably happen, right? And the fact that he got there and did it, I think is the is the brave move that, you know, like I don't think there's any humiliation because he did it, you know, and we all knew that he wasn't going to win. Um, but he lost in, in bad, like bad fashion. Like he got, he got his ass beat, like severely beaten. Yeah. Like, like the, he got nothing in. I think in retrospect, they kind of like, they used him to get Mickey Gall over. Oh, sure. Like For they, sure. They, they saw this guy who <coughs> had a big future, and they're like, oh, let's put him in a, you know, an amazing high profile. Like, that guy's a star now mm-hmm. off of this. But I don't know. Like, I think maybe it's because I have just, like, complete and utter disbelief at how someone could, you know, willingly put themselves into that position especially someone with, you know, what, from what I understand is enough money to not have to put themselves in that kind of position. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. So that's why I I'm like, all respect making to money on it, even though he got a huge payday, but just the years of training, like, and all that stuff that he had, must have had to put into it. Yeah. Like he could have, like, I was thinking about this the other day, if like he had finished WWE and, and, you know, when he came out kind of hot off that whole thing and just really gone after Hollywood you know, or really gone after something else and pursued that in the same sort of way he pursued f- fighting MMA, where he'd be now, you know, like maybe he not as well off because he, he made, from what I understand, close to a million dollars. Yeah, so I'm, I heard 500000 but I'm, I heard you know, 500000 but then I heard he was going to get a bonus for pay-per-view buys and then I heard <coughs> that at pay-per-views it did really well. Um, so maybe, maybe like, yeah, like, yeah, well, like the point is he'll do fine. But yeah, like when, when we hear that, uh, like, I don't know for me when I hear that, like, it's, it's, you know, it's just brave that he went and did it and good for him for doing that. It's like, I get that I do and it's respectable and it's the thing that he always wanted to do and good on him for that. And I don't know. Some about him like making his like believe in yourself speech after getting just his face destroyed. So he had like a little goblin ear hanging off yeah. the side of his head at it the end did of it. It looked like, like the hobgoblin that ear. It was so gnarly. But it's just like I don't know, man. If I was like really, really fond of somebody and 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 felt like like that's my dude out there, and then he was like, you know what? I'm going to walk away from this thing that you love me for. And it's always been my dream to like step in front of a moving train. Like I, I really think, I really think I can do it. I think I'm, it's, it's going to be a long uphill struggle. I'm going to train for years to step in front of this moving train, but uh, it's, it's what I really want to do. And I hope you guys support me in it. And then he trained for years and then he stepped in front of a train and got run over by a train. I would be like, well, you're fucking stupid first thinking it was a good idea to step in front of the train. Yeah, but I think, like, you know, I don't know. There's something about just, like, you know, like, the the, the fact that he stepped in front of a train, you know? <laughs> like, I'm just like, and he survived, you know? Like, he, he did survive. Like, I don't know how he's doing now, but he didn't have to go to hospital. 
Well, okay. What what do you think the worst case? I mean, I guess the worst case scenario is he could have gotten killed in the octagon, but nobody's ever gotten killed in the octagon before. Uh, um, yeah, like no one in a, in a UFC octagon. So yeah, yeah. That definitely has never ever happened. And like, yeah, I don't think it ever would happen. But so like how that far worst case scenario? From the worst case scenario was it? It was pretty close. Like I think worst case <laughs> scenario, he you know steps in the ring, first punch is a knockout. Um, but no, actually, no, maybe not. Maybe that would have been, people would have been like, oh, it's just a fluke. Um, type no, thing. no, that would have probably been worse than what happened. Yeah. Like, I think there's like, you know, like it's, <coughs> it, 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 it's, I, I wish he had gone to Bellator and they'd given him a stunt fight and they'd given him someone else with his skill level, um, to fight and, and given, you know, like giving him that Batista moment, like the same thing Batista got to do. Yeah. Or Bobby Lashley or Bobby Lashley got to do, you know, like where they, they got to fight, but at a level that was up to their skill set. Um, but like, you know, he had, it's like, a, you know, it's like when you hear about a band signing to a major label, it's like, I, you know, I can't blame you. You know, that's, that's a lot of money. And that, that was the big time, the big leagues and it plays yeah. to your ego and stuff. And it's like, you know, like, what was he going to say? Like, no, I don't want to fight for UFC. I'm going to fight for this little tiny one. But, well, that's what Batista did, I guess. Yeah, and Bobby Lashley. And Bobby And Lashley. every other pro wrestler other than Brock Lesnar who has ever gotten into MMA, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's also weird because, like, I kind of wonder if UFC didn't offer Bobby Lashley or didn't, you know, I, I imagine they would have gone after and sort of actively pursued Batista, you would think, if Batista had wanted to fight at that level, but maybe not. Like, maybe, maybe it's like post-Bellator. This is like a, it's like an advent of Bellator, since Bellator, that UFC has to kind of make these things happen. At yeah, I don't, I don't actually know jack shit about MMA. Well, like, I know nothing about MMA. There's two, there's two main companies, right? Like, there's UFC, and then a distant, distant second is Bellator. <coughs> But Bellator, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that much. Yeah, uh, I know more than I know about role playing games, which we'll get into <laughs> later. Oh gosh, are you going to have to learn about role playing games tonight? I think. I guess so. Um, but no, I, I think that's the thing. Is like it, it, now that there's this other company that has money because it's owned by Spike, um, which is owned by Viacom, that they're willing to kind of throw at fighters and fights, um, especially <laughs> fighters and fights that. Are entertaining mainstream. So CM Punk is a hundred percent someone they would sign. I would think. Oh yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I got this cough, man. No, don't worry, don't worry. I'm. Uh, I uh, I think everyone at at home knows exactly <coughs> what mm. coughing feels like. Good. Well, it, I, I hope you don't. I hope you never have to experience the misery of coughing. But we should also talk about the other big thing to us that mm-hmm. happened uh, in our 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 radio silence, which was the the end of the cruiserweight classic, which was just, I mean, it was beautiful. It was just a great like display of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I but think everything I, awesome about WWE right now was in that. Yeah. It's just like one of those things where, you know, it was, you know, and I've heard other people make the comparison to, uh, you know, ECW one night stand, but it was that one, it's where just everything clicked and it just felt like everything like this is if I had if I had control, this is what it would look like. This is yeah. exactly what I'd be looking at each and every week. And I don't think they were chasing a real big audience for it or anything. I think it was just like 
Triple H is enough of a wrestling fan that he could be like, you know, I have the resources to just make something awesome happen for the sake of it. So let's do that. Yeah, like I think it also, you know, on for for them, you know, they they obviously have a, a content beast that they have to feed constantly now with that network. <laughs> but I think it also it kind of like gave them an opportunity to to you know hopefully <coughs> usher in a new era as far as the way they look at international talent and the way they look at. Um, you know, like you, you hope that this is a, a taste of what the future holds a little bit. Yeah. And also it's just a kind of way for sort of, it's like the WWE networks version of like, uh, I don't know the Nick on Cinemax, mm-hmm. like just chase some like <laughs> critical acclaim and prestige. <laughs> oh, that's an amazing analogy. Um, I just, now I'm just picturing uh gnome dar. <coughs> cocaine on places that yeah, don't no. belong or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad the Cruiserweight Classic was not as gory as the Nick. <laughs> no, 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 no. That would that would definitely be more one night stand. Like Grand Metalik did not have to have his like lungs removed or anything. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it was yeah, it was. There were just so many great moments in that tournament, and it was also it was neat to see because it had kind of a slow start. Yep. And then to have it kind of build to what it built to was, oh, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, I love seeing wrestlers cry, man. I love seeing emotional moments in wrestling. They're, they're, those are like you can't really manufacture those. Mm-hmm. So like the the stuff with Brian Kendrick and Daniel Bryan was just awesome. Like the stuff with uh, with uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. <clears throat> like TJ, per- what did you think of TJ Perkins winning? It was surprising, but yeah. it, it now makes sense to like you know like since kind of like it not, like since I was like okay well it's not Koto Ibushi I guess like it's it's not uh, Zack <coughs> Saber Junior I guess like I I think it makes sense now that I I see him with that belt and yeah. and see him with the other uh, you know the champions together and stuff it it just like it makes sense and and you know like I I liked. I liked Manic. I, I liked, uh, uh, what was Manic before? Suicide? But he wasn't Suicide. He was just Manic in TNA. I don't know. He was Manic under the hood. But I, I, like, I, I, he's, he's definitely a super talented wrestler, and this is just like, you know, you hope this is the opportunity. Like, we all have our fears as wrestling fans of the worst-case scenario, which is that, you know, six months from now, this belt is on... You know, or the Ascension or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, but, you know, like, I, I don't know. What do you think of him winning? I, I kind of really liked it. Mm-hmm. Like, there was obviously, like, extenuating circumstances, right? So, like, uh, from, you know, the word around the campfire, at least, it, I don't think it's been confirmed, but they apparently tried to sign both Kota Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. Mm-hmm. And both of them turned down their contracts. Mm-hmm. And those are the two like obvious stars from the show. And I wonder like how hard they must have lowballed them for them to say no. But um, I mean, I guess those guys are, you know, making bank on the independence, but like, but so TJ Perkins is this guy who's been around for forever. Like the one time I ever saw him wrestle live was like, uh, Kevin Steen and Ring of Honor just pretty much squashed him. Like, I think he might have done like a stretcher referee stoppage type of thing. And he's just been doing stuff like that for 
ever, mm-hmm. basically. And and it's kind of amazing to see somebody who's a known quantity and who's, you know, been all over the place and done things, but like I never considered him like a headliner or anything. And to see him like put in that position, like that's awesome. Like good for him. Well, you gotta think post AJ Styles <coughs> and the success they're having right now with AJ Styles and how basically he is you know, like carrying the company on his back to a certain extent, um, mm-hmm. from you know just the way he he's been since he's got into the WWE, especially thing. for SmackDown. I should say uh, the Backlash pay per view where AJ Styles won was like an hour away from my house, and I could have gone, and I didn't because my thinking was like fuck SmackDown, like SmackDown <laughs> doesn't have anything I really want to see. I probably should have gone to that. It would have been cool to see AJ win. Yeah, that that moment is the moment, you know, like that's the, uh, that, that to me was like, you know, like one of those moments of, I don't know, it felt like real emotion <laughs> because it felt like something that I didn't believe I'd ever really get to see. But then when it happened, it felt inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. And so they must be thinking now in this company, like what else is out there? Like what else have we been overlooking mm-hmm, that could mm-hmm. be this good? And TJ is like a good looking guy. He's charismatic. Mm-hmm. You know, he seems like a genuine person. Like people see him and they want him to do well. And uh, like I, I like that he wrestles in Jordans or whatever. I kind of like all the wrestlers who wrestle in Jordans. I don't know why. Like <laughs> I'm not a sneaker guy. Wait I don't even you. know if they're Jordans, but like the you know the Usos have started wrestling in them when they since they turned to be bad guys and like that's cool. I don't know. I like it. What about Shane McMahon? Oh, does he wrestle in them? Yeah, that's I mean, his I like thing. Shane McMahon. I'm not mad at Shane McMahon. Oh well, that that puts you at odds. Like I don't, I'm not mad at Shane McMahon either, but I have learned that he is very much despised by certain members of the wrestling community. Well, I don't know. I I guess I'm part of the the segment of the population who like saw uh, Kurt Angle throw him through that plate of glass. Say that um, Kurt Angle match, that amazing Kurt Angle match. Oh man, I just I remember like just losing my mind watching that. Just like like. This is one of those like rare moments where you're like, is this happening? Like, mm-hmm. should somebody stop this? Yeah, yeah. This, it's Kurt Angle's like one of those people that you know he's like you know you hope that guy gets another chance to come back. You hope that like health wise he's good. And they, figure, I don't know if he is. I don't know yeah, if don't he know. is. I don't know if he is either. Mentally health wise, I don't. But I mean, for like in you know 2000 or whatever, like he was my favorite wrestler. Like, I think, honestly, if I, like, he might be one of the best of all time. Like, he could be yeah. funny. He could be actually kind of funny. Yeah, he didn't do that at all in TNA, so I don't know if he still has that, like, part of his brain anymore. Uh, I bet you he does, but they just probably wanted him to be, by that point, it was so, you know, like, him and that Samoa Joe feud really set the tone for his entire run there. Yeah, but, like, they tried to make Samoa Joe funny. Yep, they really did. Flapjack, get out of there. That was, that was the sound of my dog drinking from the toilet. <laughs> Everybody out there in radio land. Um, so all you foliage and, artists now have that sound for all the, <laughs> for all the fully uh, work they have to do. Oh, good. Well, good for them. Uh, it's, a, it's an important sound. You got to have that in your arsenal. You got to have well, I, So I'm happy for TJ. I, I think it's kind of awesome that he won. It's I, I'm... I one thing that I worry about a tiny bit is that they only have people from the cruiserweight classic in their cruiserweight division. Mm-hmm. Like 
I don't know why they don't throw Neville in there or whatever. It just seems like the like, hey, here's these cruiserweight guys. Remember them? We're gonna have these same six guys fight each other over and over again. Yeah, like you, you think at some point they're gonna start, you know, slipping other people into that division. Maybe they just want to, you know, help establish them by having them face each other first. But yeah, like it doesn't make sense. Like, why is one small guy in this division and another small guy in the heavyweight division? Yeah. It was like, it's funny, like, they had a couple of the guys from the Cruiserweight Classic on NXT. They wrestled uh, TM61, the Australian team. Mm-hmm. And the, the, Tom Phillips, their, their, you know, regular play-by-play guy was like, oh, no, these guys, these guys are cruiserweights. Like, the, the TM61's not going to be able to keep, cap up, catch, keep up with them. And the TM61 guys are basically the same size as the <laughs> other guys, like, they don't have some magical, mystical power because they weigh under 220 pounds. Yeah. Like, that should put them at a disadvantage, well, and logically. It, and I think, like, you know, you know, now people know that the different belts can headline a pay-per-view. Like, it's just about how you build it, right? Like, so, you know, if you put, like, if you put uh, um, Finn Balor in that, you know, and, and you put someone else in that, you can build up to something that could probably headline a pay-per-view just as easily as they could if they had, a, you know, a heavyweight belt. Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, I hope they keep doing it. I hope they do another Cruiserweight Classic next year. Mm-hmm. The, the, apparently, they might do a women's championship thing, which would probably mean, like, bringing in all these people from Shimmer or whatever, I imagine, if they do it the same way. It reminds me of White Rapper. You know, I love that show so much, the Ego Trip White Rapper show. Oh my god, the White Rapper show? Oh. We've never talked about the White Rapper show. I love the fucking White Rapper show. It was so I good, see, eh? I used to see John Brown in my neighborhood in Brooklyn. What? Yes. Oh my god. I I, I like I And he like, wore his like ghetto revival hoodie. Dylon might be one of Oh no, it was no, it was not Dylon. What was the guy's name that beefed with him on that show? Sully. Sully. That was it, Sully. Uh, Dylon was on the Puff Daddy show. Yeah, he was on Making the Band, which Making was also band. a great show. Yeah, Dylon was uh, also a favorite rapper of mine too, from that reality TV show moment in time. But uh, I liked uh, I liked Ness, the guy from Philly who was like sort of like Beanie Siegel light. Oh yeah, <laughs> I liked my uh, my favorite moment in it is when John Brown's doing his. Uh, thing and it's like I think it's brand Nubians there it's definitely Sadat X and I can't remember who's with them and they just lay into him so hard and they just tear him apart and you just felt I kind of felt bad for poor John Brown after that I don't think he cared that much so I went to the um, I went to the finale party for that show in, in Brooklyn they yeah. had like Ari they, the Rugged Man played what's that did Ari the Rugged Man play no, no, they, uh, I think maybe like, like MC search did like two verses, but mostly they just had contestants on the show. Like they had that juggalo girl from Allentown, Pennsylvania, Ghetto Child. they had John Brown and they had somebody else. I think, I don't know, man, that was a long time ago. Oh, actually, you know what? I think Jason green from like Panthers and orchid went to that too. I remember him mm-hmm. telling me that way back then. He's like, yeah, I went to that thing. Um, but he maybe went to the final because remember they had the final on the show. Uh, yeah, I do remember and, that. And that's Ari the Rugged Man plays on that, and he's dressed up in a yes. devil suit. 
He did do that. Yep. I remember that now. Oh, anyway, God. everybody, I don't know where you could possibly watch Ego Trips, the White Rapper show. Maybe it's on YouTube or something. I hope it's on YouTube. I hope it is too. You should you should do that if you if if you can. Yeah. But uh we should we should get to our guest. Absolutely. You you wanna you wanna set him up? Oh, you know him better than Yeah, absolutely. Uh our next guest is uh lead singer, uh front person of Danko Jones, one of like one of my favorite all time live garage rock bands seeing them in the like mid nineties, late nineties. And then now a huge giant rock band that has had songs all over professional wrestling. Um, and yeah, he's had, he's had the theme of two different pay-per-views, right? Yep. Yeah. And he's also, you know, uh, beloved by, uh, we'll get into all this in a second. So, uh, let's get, let's get Danko Jones on, on the phone right now. Hey everybody, welcome back to Clobbering Time. I am here once again with my friend Damian Abraham and with Damian's friend, Danko Jones. Hi Danko, welcome to the show. Hi Tom, hi Damian. Hey buddy, how's it going? It's going really good. I'm very excited to be on here. Very uh, honored you asked me on the uh, Clobbering Time podcast. Well, I know when I've been at your house, I've, 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 I've noticed that there's a, a shelf of prominent wrestling books, like some very great autobiographies and biographies of prominent wrestlers. So uh, I know you're a learned wrestling fan. To a certain point, yes, I went deep for a, lo- for a few years when I was a kid. Um, I probably went deep with wrestling deeper than I ever did with music. Um, so for a while there, I, was, I think my mom got a little concerned. <laughs> she, could, she started it, though. She got me my first uh, wrestling magazine and that just kicked it off. When was that? That was a long time ago. I it was a, a pro it was a Pro Wrestling Illustrated year end issue with the Road Warriors on the cover. They had just won the AWA Tag Team Championship, and so the Legion of Doom had just entered AWA with a bang, as we all know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw the cover. I wanted the cover. I wanted the magazine for the cover, and then. Those those magazines for you know uh, an eleven year old kid, twelve year old kid, thirteen year old kid. I uh, I devoured it. You know I didn't know it was like it went this far reaching and this wide and and uh, there were so many other wrestlers I I hadn't even seen or heard of. And it got to the point where I would just uh, they they were mythical figures because they weren't on on the television where you know in Toronto where where I lived, it was Maple Leaf Wrestling, and then you got the W, uh, the Buffalo WUTV WWF uh, feed. So wrestlers like you know Buzz Sawyer and Tommy Rich, Kevin Sullivan, uh, Jimmy Garvin, um, even Hulk Hogan t- before he he went to the WWF. These guys were like like two dimensional superheroes to me. So you were reading about them, but you weren't able to watch them. No, I could just see sometimes Maple Leaf Wrestling on Channel 11 would would uh, they'd have regional matches, but then they'd go to certain like the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling. So I'd get to see like Dickie Slater. I got to see Jay Youngblood and Ricky Steamboat, which eventually became my favorite tag team uh, 
partnership. Um, Dory you, Funk, you just you, call them tag teams. What did I say? Tag team partnership. Yep. That's the <laughs> formal. <laughs> that's how you formally refer to it. I think too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Then, then um, when you know wrestling kind of got streamlined, and then people like Dusty Rhodes joined the WWF, I was like, oh my god! Now I can really see a Dusty Road, a Dusty Rhodes in action. You know. But you know, it's funny because like that that Channel Eleven Maple Leaf Wrestling, like I remember that too. Would be the quality of wrestling would vary so much because you, yeah, you'd see like Steamboat, but then you'd also just see some like random Canadian regional wrestling match too. It was, yeah, it was so haphazardly put together, which which added to its charm. Mm -hmm. But I do remember this one time. And they would never be allowed to air it on television these days. But it was, uh, it was a, a match between uh, Snuka and Ray Kip- Crippler Stevens. And um, Ray Stevens just kept pile-driving Snuka into, onto the cement uh, outside the ring. Like he did it at le- over half a dozen times. Uh, this is at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday afternoon. And I re- still remember how... Sh- shocked i was to see it 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 really kind of made a crazy impression on me was he like was he bleeding all over the place he was bleeding they didn't censor it it was one o'clock in the afternoon on saturday and this these two grown men one of them was just pile driving this guy i mean you i i still when i think about it and how young i was i was i can't believe they aired it Mm -hmm. it's funny because wrestling violence you know like gets like a pass in a way like not as much anymore but like the blood and wrestling was a lot more it felt like a lot more family friendly than horror movies well the thing is back then they hadn't come clean so they hadn't come out and said that this is all fake i mean i remember me and my friends i i I was even talking about this leading up to the podcast i had in my school there was like we had speeches like year-end speeches where you know, it it was kind of like a competition, like a debating team or whatever. And I remember I came up with the idea to come up with a speech that proved wrestling was real. <laughs> I was in grade seven and we, I was convinced it was real. And then 2020 had a spotlight on it. And that's where Dr. D. David Schultz body slammed the the ABC journalist. I can't remember his name. Yeah. What is guy? Was it John Stossel? Is it Stossel? Yeah, Stossel. Yeah. John, John Stossel, Stossel. That's right. That's a great YouTube clip. Oh, an unbelievable YouTube clip. <laughs> well, that thing aired. That thing aired. Um, uh, uh, I guess it aired at uh, 2020 at like 10 o'clock at night, and it was all past our bedtime. There was only really one, 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 one kid in our class who saw it. He told us he was going to watch it the night before. So we were all waiting for him to arrive at school, and then we all gathered around him. I still remember it and he goes guys it's fake <laughs> we were all i was crushed <laughs> uh, do you remember, remember when they did that special years later about wrestling again and i think it was fox did it um and it was the same sort of thing but it was like it had like at, like wrestlers under hoods being like here's how we do this move and here's how we do this move and it was like in it was in the wake of that fox show that was exposing how magic was fake Oh, yeah. And then they did the wrestling one. They're like, wrestling too, look. <laughs> no, I never saw that. 
It was like everybody pretty much already knew at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're just ruining it for the rest of us now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, I guess, like, as a kid, you know, we're – like, it's really only WWF at the time was kind of like the only kind of, like, game in town as far as Toronto wrestling stuff or Canadian wrestling stuff other than Maple Leaf stuff, right? Yes. I, I, um, I want to say yes. Eventually – you know, Maple Leaf Wrestling was, you know, bought out by the WWF. And then it just, I think Toronto became like a WWF hub. Mm-hmm. Um, but before then, it was an NWA hub, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Like, um, like Maple Leaf Gardens was a very significant place for pro wrestling, right? Like, that was like one of the the hollowed kind of arenas for it on the East Coast of North America. Yeah, it was I definitely th- one of the like bigger territories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we yeah. had Tiger. What, who was it? Tiger Singh. What? Was it? I don't. Uh, that is not familiar to me. And he would. I know who he is, but he he wasn't uh, familiar to me in terms of like the region. Yeah, like I didn't get to see it. This was before my time. But he, I guess you used to have these ins- these like over the top battles with the the original Sheik, and the two oh, of them okay. would just kind of go at it, and it would be. You know, sold out Maple Leaf Gardens type fair. That's way that's way before my time. Me too. Me too. So, yeah. Danko, you were you were drawn to the AWA in particular, like based on the uh, the magazines. I was drawn to NWA. Okay. Um, Instead of the cause, like, because you would just see the pictures for the most part, right? Yeah, you just saw the pictures for uh, NWA and AWA. Um, but NWA to me, I, f- I figured it out. NWA was like the the kind of the majors, and AWA kind of. I mean, when I got into it, Bob Backlund was the WWF champion. Nick Bockwinkel was the AWA champion, and then for NWA, it was take your pick among the three: uh, Harley Race, Ric Flair, and I don't know who else. Dusty Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes or yeah. yeah. So that was the time that I really was into wrestling. And I never saw Nick Bockwinkle wrestle until I think YouTube, or or until the WWE started to reissue those DVD sets in the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. So that's when I finally got to see like Bob Nick Bockwinkle actually, you know, um, wrestle. But I mean, I, I still loved wrestlers in the AWA, and I believe Jerry the King Lawler was an AWA guy before he he went to WWF or WWE. Um, and that, that's the thing is, and plus his connection with Andy Kaufman, when, when our band's song in 2006, um, was the theme song for the WWE backlash pay-per-view special, Jerry, the Jerry, the King Lawler through, through to uh, our song on the air. And that was in 2006. uh, And, and in, up to that point, that I uh, that was one of the, like my personal career highlights. That Jerry the King Lawler <laughs> threw to our song, and I mean I I still and then we were the theme song for last year's Royal Rumble, which I got a phone call from Damien going, "I'm so j-. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, yeah I don't think so, you're gonna pick your band, dude. No, I don't think I'm ever gonna get that honor, and that is like. <laughs> That is really like something I'm kind of fucking bitter at 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? Nobody though? made I, you be in a band with a cuss word in the name. I know, but like, you know, let's be honest. I think there's a lot of things preventing WWE from picking us. Is for a pay per view? The name is just the most convenient. Well, Jerry the King Lawler was was also um, one of the color commentators for last year's Royal Rumble, and again he threw to our song. Whoa! Oh, yeah. So it's happened twice. So you guys and are just, like you're basically best friends now. Yeah, I, you know. Yeah, I'm glad you said it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 funny too because you're the reason that I know Chris Jericho. Like that's the like right. yeah that's right we did a podcast well, with you guys him. I actually I remember listening to that podcast mm-hmm. and you didn't really know who he was right yes because uh, Jericho is after my time uh-huh. with wrestling mm-hmm. but I know who he is like I know who he was I knew I knew who he was but I for some reason I thought he had longer hair until Fozzie came out and he then had I'm like hair for a long time yeah he had yeah. he had the top knot he was rocking the top knot. Before it was a thing on Queen Street West. Right. You know, like back in the day. Yeah, I, I, I still don't. It's fuzzy to me, but I just know he was. There's two. Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho both had like long hair, long blonde hair, right? Yep. 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 Yeah. See, like, you, you know, I'm sorry. I feel, you know, disconnected in that with that era, which is the era that. You know, wrestling became humongous. But for me, it's like, you know, I I I get goosebumps thinking about, you know, Boogie Woogie Man versus the Great Kabuki. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that feud is incredible. And I think if you look and talk to a lot of people, like when you kind of stopped being into it, that's the period where wrestling changed, right? Like that was the the late '80s was when you kind of had, you know, like just the two companies, WCW and and wwf going forward so you know i think that's probably why you didn't identify with it going forward what, what was it what was the moment do you remember when you stopped liking wrestling yeah because i really liked how underground and and uh really makeshift and put together and cut and pasted nwa and awa seemed mm-hmm. and and wwf to a certain degree but then when it got really streamlined and I think everybody caught on that it was fake. I think I couldn't really, I couldn't shake the the truth. Um, I really got off on the fact that like there is a dude walking around who would maybe, you know, spit green mist at you, you know, and and he's like he calls himself the Great Kabuki and he's got hair and I, I just thought he would like be walking around, uh, you know, and people like Abdullah the Butcher was a real guy and. Bruiser Brody, this is how they acted. So, um, so once I realized, you know, once it was the truth was out, I was kind of like, oh, right, okay. But it's funny, <laughs> you know. Do you like, you know, like, you know? I know you're a huge Kiss fan, and uh, did you feel the same uh, kind of like shunning of Kiss when you realized that he, Gene Simmons, was just kind of a long-tongued guy who didn't know who Chrome <laughs> were, uh, rather than a demon? <laughs> No, because I like the music. The music kept me uh, kept me interested. But I know what you, I know where you're going with that. But it was um, it was still the music first mm-hmm. uh, when I got over the whole superhero 
um, thing about Kiss. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, you know, I really like the music though. So that kept me interested. Whereas with wrestling, I was like, I still love it, man. And that era really, I, I could watch it. I, I mean, I have DVDs where I just, you know, I'll, I'll just watch it or go on YouTube and when I'm feeling nostalgic and watch it. And there's still wrestlers I really, really, I really, I mean, they're rock stars to me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Mills Mascaras and Abdullah the Butcher, Bruiser Brody, the Von Erics, that kind of stuff. Like, you know, that's magical to me. Mm-hmm. You got to go to one of these conventions. Yeah, you do. I don't know where these are. I know I've heard of these things. They, I went to one. I, I like. I covered one for work last year. I, I profiled this guy New Jack, who was an ECW wrestler. But before they, so they had this big indie wrestling show in New Jersey, and before the show, they had on all these, you know. Um, like Baron von Raschke and guys like this, and and Jimmy Snuka and 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 Jake the Snake Roberts, and they're all sitting at folding tables and charging people, you know, ten bucks for a picture with them. I would totally load up my wallet and head down. <laughs> <laughs> they have like a what is what's the one they have in Charlotte? It's like the big uh, NWA oh, reunion or NWA yeah, fan it's fest. Called like, I, I forget what it's called, but I know what you're talking about. It's I called like WrestlePalooza or something weird like that. WrestleCon. There's definitely WrestleCon, but I think this is called oh my God. NWA Fan Fest. And it's just like, you know, oh like, my God. Like Ric Flair, the, the, like, you know, like they'll have like, you know, you can actually, they have for extra money, they'll have like famous, uh, like feuds, and then you'll be in the middle, right? So you can have, uh, you know, like, uh, um, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, and Ric Flair, and then you're in the between the two of them. Doing what? Just posing, dude. Just posing. You, maybe <laughs> oh, like you God. hold the two of them apart. Yeah, maybe you're holding like they're them back. About to start attacking each other again. Well, I would love to do a promo with with Flair. You know, like uh, I'd pay I'd pay a lot of money to do that. He would probably accept your a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, he definitely to do that. would like, accept a lot of money. Like I would do, like like okay, you pretend you're in the Four Horsemen. And you do a promo with Rick. I'd be like, "Yeah, where do I who 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 do I give my money to?" Well, that leads into something I wanted to ask you about, which is, you know, how much of who you are as a musician is informed by pro wrestling? Because watching you, I see Ric Flair in in who you are. Uh, my top three favorite promo guys. Uh, Piper's my favorite wrestler. Period. Uh, I think he was he did some of the best promos, Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair. Those are the three best for me, in my opinion, the three best promo guys. I mean, amazing promos. You know, the the WWE did a great thing. They put out a three disc set, I think about what, ten years ago? And it was the superstars of wrestling, mm-hmm. I believe. And there was um there is a there are a lot of promos there, and I watch the promos more than I do the bands. But there is a Easter egg that you can only find if you go online and you know use your remote control to find it. But <laughs> you guys have probably seen it. It's a Piper Easter egg, and it's a P- P- Piper promo, and it is. I've seen it. Oh God, I've seen it over twenty times. Every single time it gives me goosebumps and it is hands down the greatest promo I have ever seen in my life because just talking to you about it right now, I'm getting goosebumps. (laughs) It is the greatest promo. He just, 
he does what he does. He goes nuts. He starts screaming, ranting, and raving. And then he just ends it with why he does what he does. And he goes, because I fight or something like that. And I'm just – and then it, then the screen grows, goes black and it's like, oh, oh, it's just the – oh, it's so good. Um, it's amazing. Uh, and Piper is my favorite promo guy. Dusty and, and Ric Flair are both amazing guys. Like, yeah, and there's – Flair's, yeah, there's definitely I've lifted from Flair a lot of stuff, like in terms of, you know, the 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 way I, you know, attack the stage and, and just perform is there's definitely a loaded amount of Flair and, and Piper in there and, and Dusty Rhodes, too. I love Dusty Rhodes. He's he's the best. Mm-hmm. Damien, do you have any wrestlers you try to be like? Oh, gosh, when I'm up there, like, you know, like I think anyone who's a wrestling fan has definitely done the Fargo strut across the straight across the stage or the Ric Flair strut or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But, uh, (laughs) I've definitely done that numerous times. Um, I've tried to do the Bam Bam Bigelow cartwheel a bunch of times. Um, and, uh, succeeded, you know, failed a lot, but succeeded a couple of times. Uh, Um, that's amazing. Uh, but yeah, like I think, yeah, like I've definitely cut, like you know, I've cut the Ric Flair promo, you know, modified, like the big one, like uh, last year I spent money on more money on spilt marijuana than you made. <laughs> You're talking to the Mishka wearing front seat of the car sitting. Anyway, you know, I, I've done that promo on stage. Do you have like a Do you have like a general demeanor guy who you like look to? Oh, I don't know. People would say probably like uh, George the Animal Steel. Oh, that's good. <laughs> but I think that's just based on, or Albert, but I think that's just based on follicle placement on my back. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, I, it's hard to say. Like, I think, uh, man, you know, like, I, I guess, like, probably Sandman for, a, unfortunately, for a large chunk with the cans on my head um, was the guy that I would kind of go to. That's the thing. Uh, Danko, you left before things got really violent. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, I mean, I checked in uh, a few years later and I saw Mankind and I'm like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> so, but oh, I should mention uh, another promo guy that I love um, is Jim the Anvil Neidhart. That's one that never comes up. Yeah, that's true. He's, he's like got to be one. He's in my top four or five. Yeah, he's amazing. Well, I guess he's I, a Yelly promo, right? Yeah, it's just the way he does it, though, is just so intense. And uh, it, it just, he comes off bigger than he, he would be normally because Brett is so low-key and chill. Mm-hmm. It just makes for a great juxtaposition. And then he just, oh, he's the, he's amazing, too. You You unfortunately did miss some of the most intense promos ever which were during the Shawn Michaels and Brett the Hitman Hart uh, feud with each other, where they were talking about each other's backstage indiscretions and promos. And, hey, Tom? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, all that is out there for you, though. Yeah, that's true. You can go and watch all this stuff now. And also, Chris Jericho's um, 1,001 Holds promo. Mm, this is a real, real great classic moment. Yeah. I should see that. Um, but he was I, wrestling. He, he was feuding with this guy, Dean Malenko, who was the man of a thousand holds. Right. So Jericho decided that he was the man of a thousand one holds. And he like <laughs> walked out to the ring with a, with a list 
of all uh-huh. his thousand and one holds and it's the, like the Saskatchewan spinning arm clutch and stuff like that. Like he just starts like making up names that are definitely not real things. And then like every like fourth one, he just goes arm bar. <laughs> he says it a bunch of times over and over again. There's no way to actually describe this and do it any sort of justice, but it was a, it was a, it was a really great moment. It goes through a commercial break too. Yeah. He comes back, he's still doing it. And also, I heard this week on uh, Conan's podcast, Disco Inferno claimed that he was the one who came up with that idea, Tom. Okay. I, I don't doubt it. Disco Inferno seems like a clever individual. He is very clever. He is very clever. That's another one you missed out on, Danko, that I think uh, you would love. The one I was going to say, though, the one that I think could get you back into it is Shinzuke Nakamura, um, who is truly one of the most unbelievably charismatic movers in the ring ever like ever hmm i think you got maybe his big influences are prince and michael jackson (laughs) and freddie mercury and freddie mercury too yeah okay you got you've piqued my interest i think you'd like him i think you'd be into it and he also you know did mma like (laughs) it's like you know like that whole thing about you being like oh i I couldn't get past the fact that it wasn't (laughs) Uh, you know, like I knew it wasn't real anymore. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. He will make you believe again, my friend. He will make you believe. All right. I, I, I'll check yeah, him There's out. a whole kind of school of wrestlers whose entire philosophy is to kind of hit you as hard as possible without hurting you. Mm-hmm. So it'll look as real as it can, even though everybody knows it's not real, real. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that stuff is fun to watch. I think, but, it, um, I think it like after like, yeah, that's the other thing is, you know, like as much as you kind of you know, witnessed the John Stossel wrestling is not real era. Then there was this other era where it became like shoot style and it became trying to make it as real as possible or as close to real as possible. Yeah. And that's the time that I I think we're, are we talking mankind Goldberg kind of era or a little bit after? Although those guys definitely like did what they could Mm -hmm. to, Mm -hmm. Like Goldberg especially was like he was a total wrestling novice. He'd played pro football, but he says that when he came in, he like studied the UFC as much as he could and tried to do a lot of that stuff. Yeah, because that's sorry. Yeah, that that's when I I started to get interested again. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, Bob Mould started writing for WCW. He did. I've heard about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember reading his name on a wrestling website that had no mention of wrestling and being like, could that be the same guy? Like, that doesn't seem like a very common name. (laughs) It's crazy to think that he's like breaking into wrestling at the same time that that band is like doing really well. Like, you know, so he's like selling, you know, like uh, programs or helping set up the ring to kind of like pay his dues at the same time that Husker do is kind of doing it. No, 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 no. This was, this was, I remember this because it was when I was in college and it was when he started putting out solo albums that were like, like he put out a couple pretty sketchy solo albums there, like where he got really into like electronic. Music yeah. Stuff. No, but this is before the WCW era. This is back when he was still in uh, Minnesota. Oh, he was doing that in like AWA. AWA? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he he was he was like he said he's got a whole other book just about wrestling written pretty much. 
Yeah, I would read that. I would read that before I read his regular book. Oh, I would read that book so many times. We got a, I I, too. when I worked at Pitchfork, we got a copy of his regular book at at work, and I like immediately flipped right to the wrestling part. It was only one <laughs> chapter. I was bummed. Yeah, he said they, the editor made him take a lot of it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Little did that editor know that there were people like us out there. I know. <laughs> I know that, and one day there'd be a podcast. Yeah, like. Cursing their name for taking yep, that yep. out. Fuck <laughs> you, editor. Fuck you. From five years ago. Yeah. Fucking up Bob Mould's memoir. Making him write about music. The fuck is your problem? Yeah. Some of us wanted to know the funny backstage Kevin Sullivan stories. Yeah. Well, oh, so- uh, yeah, that's a that's a mythical figure for me too. Well, he he's got a you got to check out his podcast. He's got what, a, Kevin Sullivan's got a podcast. Oh, everybody yeah. has a podcast now. Yeah, Kevin Sullivan, the Satanist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's great. It's great. It's awesome. He's got the best memory ever. He remembers everything, and his voice is just nuts. Yeah. Now, did he, was he have one of the people signing, uh, sign or taking pictures with people at that at that convention I went to? He was. Oh one my the, god! I met him at a convention I went to. A couple months ago, filming something too. Oh he's, my he's, God. Would you say five three? Like yeah. maybe five four? <laughs> yeah, he's way. I don't know how they made him look. So he was big. He was huge, right? And there's he definitely was like a power lifter and intimidating. But yeah, I was shocked that he was uh, not taller than me. Now, didn't he have a tag team partner named Six Six Six? Uh. I'm- I don't know anything about that. Yeah, I don't know. May, probably, like, it would make sense, right? Because I, I remember reading about it, and I'm like, oh, my God, why don't these guys come up here? <laughs> I'm really into this idea that you got into this from a magazine and that so much of it was a mystery to you. Like, it's like, it's like I guess that doesn't really happen anymore, but, like, I would be, like, like I think I am in the line of work that I'm in now because I bought an issue of Hit Parader in, like, 1991 that mm-hmm. had... Sebastian Bach interviewing Axl Rose. Yeah, um, uh, and I loved Hit Parader. I probably had that issue. Yeah, um, <laughs> but um, it's good. And you know, one I got interviewed for Hit Parader. I'm in an That's issue. Shit. Yeah, it's like it's still going strong. But um, what was I going to say? Um, how I got into it was through magazines. It was Pro Wrestling Illustrated. It was Inside Rest. Uh, in, Inside Wrestling? Inside, inside wrestling. Wrestler? I think it's Inside uh, Wrestling, isn't it? Yeah, there was like the same company put out like three or four different ones. The Wrestler. Was, there was one called The Wrestler. Yeah, it was um, one guy. He was also I I interviewed him at that at that uh at that um what do you call it convention. This guy Bill Apter did all like five of these magazines or whatever pretty much by himself with a little bit of help, but like wrote most of the copy and stuff. Well, that is impressive because, yeah. I, and that name is very familiar to me. I used to devour the whole thing, and he used to come up. If it's this one guy, he used to come up with. He would divide the whole thing into regions, so you kind of, you could kind of like jigsaw things together, and uh, yeah, it really put everything. I could kind of look at it like it was a, a universe unto itself. Mm-hmm. Through like whatever it was, inside wrestling, wrestler, pro wrestling illustrated, whatever it was, um, 
I basically every Friday, my I'd meet my mom. We'd go to Silver Snail, the old uh, location on Queen Street. Damien, you must know that. Oh my gosh, yes, and that that is for Tom. That that was like. That was our like I don't know what's that one in L.A. that's like the big com- meltdown comics or something like so and still sales still going strong and the, yeah and then uh, uh, location, sh- she would buy me um, one or two wrestling magazines almost every Friday um, at Lightman's which is a, a, a magazine store that is no more but they used to have like. I don't know, eight different magazines on wrestling and, and, you know, karate and martial arts or whatever. So in that section, I would get all those magazines. And yeah, like we only had, there was no internet. There was only these two shows on Saturday afternoon. 12 to 1 was WWF and 1 to 2 was Maple Leaf Wrestling. And then I realized there's all these other crazy looking people who do these insane things and I would only read about them. Yeah, look, yeah. I guess that's like you hear about people discovering punk that way too. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it was very much like, and and I guess that's the problem with uh, with you know pre cable wrestling consumption is that you you could only watch what was presented to you on your few channels that you had on that dial. And yeah, you, were you like? I guess you weren't probably into it at the time, but I remember like reading wrestling websites in the like the pre YouTube era in like two thousand two. And like reading about Ring of Honor shows and trying to imagine what like Christopher Daniels Angel Wings move like, <laughs> like being like, what the fuck? Like, like does he like pull his arms apart? Like, like what that would what that would mean? Yeah, I, I for me it was like reading about Buzz Sawyer, um, and I believe his nickname was Mad Dog Sawyer, mm-hmm. and then Maple Leaf Wrestling, like we were talking about earlier, just jigsawing things piecing things together just for no reason had a promo of Buzz Sawyer and he was in a dog cage and he was eating raw meat. And that's the first time I ever saw mad dog. Sawyer. he wasn't wrestling, but I had read about this guy. And then suddenly I see him one o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday morning eating raw meat because he was mad dog Sawyer. It was insane. I, so that, yeah, I, I've, these people like like Rock and Roll Express. Mm-hmm. Rock and Roll Express to me like are just two dimensional. Like just they're just these two guys. I never. I only got to see them like you know since yeah like post the YouTube the YouTube era and the DVD era when they would release things on DVD or you know we trade DVDs. So and i'm familiar with the sean michaels bret hart only because of the i believe 3 dvd set the bret hart set that i ended up seeing later there's also a dvd set just about the feud they had with each other leading up to the montreal screw job which is one of the defining sports moments in can- canadian history i'd say it's right up there with uh you know that hockey thing <laughs> oh yeah that's <laughs> 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 well, for me, it was also the, um, and I only got to see photos of it in these magazines until they released, until uh, WWE released it on DVD. But it was the um, Roddy Piper, Greg the Hammer Valentine dog collar match. Oh, yeah. That match is incredible. Yeah. It's like uh, amazing. 
Um, and I only saw photos of it for years and years and years. And then when I finally got a DVD of it, I was like, I can't believe I'm watching this live. Like, this is actually, it's amazing. So for me, that's like, that's uh, one of the greatest matches that ever were. Yeah. Like, I think, I think that's the thing is like WWE's library consolidation. Mm -hmm. It it definitely has given uh, life to things that would other, but wise, not otherwise for sure, but potentially have been lost, you know? And like, you know, and and it just kind of like, Thinking maybe years from now, when you have a network where you can just pick up any match ever a la carte, just go through someone's career and just kind of like watch everything they ever did, um, is ooh, that's the ultimate wrestling fantasy. So yeah. when you watch wrestling now, it's not to like to like dip your toe into whatever's happening now. It's to like it's to be like let me fill in the holes on this other thing that was happening in like 1984 when I was just reading about it in a magazine. For me, it would be, yes. That's awesome. And it, would, it would be more like trying to chase down, you know, Kevin Sullivan footage or Mills Mascara's footage or, or stuff like that. That's what I, I like. I mean, um, just, you know, leading up to this podcast, you know, going, going through it and, and remembering all these old names I haven't thought of for years. Yeah, like I would – I can watch Tony Atlas and, and um, Rocky Johnson matches – Till all day long. That's that's awesome. So so before the podcast, Damien sent me this thing that you had sent him, which you made like a, a role playing game basically about wrestling by yourself as a yeah, kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did, um, and I sold it to all my classmates for a dollar, and I think a dozen or fifteen kids in my class bought it. A lot of us, a lot of them bought it, and we played a few matches, but. Things didn't start get uh, start rolling until a couple of years later. I brought it back out, and we just started playing it every lunch period, and then every recess we'd have. And I found I found the book that I used to to record all the matches and who won what. Like you know, on January sixteenth, like the number one contender was Randy Savage, and the world champion and intercontinental champion in our league uh, was the Iron Sheik. Whoa! So, I like your league. Your league sounds pretty interesting. Oh yeah, and then but a month later, the world champion was Killer Tonga, and uh, Ricky I don't even Steamboat. Know who that is. He was. Um, he had a couple of names, uh, but Killer Tonga was one of them. And uh, yeah, who's Killer Tonga? I'm trying to remember. He had he had another name. Is it he a Samoan feuded, wrestler? Or is it yes. A yeah. Wrestler. I mean, or he feuded with uh, he feuded with Steamboat in the WWF. Uh, and I believe he feuded with Tito Santana too, and, and his whole move was a chop. And he he he'd get into the ring wearing um kind of like a an, an island kind of dress or something like one of those I don't know what you call it, but he was like part of the whole skirt. wild yeah like well, he's part of the whole wild Samoans kind of I don't know if he feuded with them, but he was I think he was part of that whole crew. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, going through these names like. Do you guys remember Corporal Kirshner? Yep. <laughs> I don't at all. Uh, Damien had this idea that we were going to play the game, but then I don't have any dice in my house. And also, I've, I've never dice. played a, a role-playing game ever. 
Oh, really? Because uh, yeah, I know that's called... something I think super insane. He's never played any role playing games. No, never. There was a moment in like eighth grade when a bunch of my friends were got like really into Dungeons and Dragons, and we pretty much like stopped being friends. Like, I just I, I got I tried to play once, and I got bored after five minutes. Oh, but Whoa. you love the the '80s wrestling game. <laughs> well, I would I would like it better than Dungeons and Dragons. It's for damn sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I've got my dice. I mean, I could I could ref and I could be the ref <laughs> and I can roll for you guys. But I'm all ready to play. But I don't know how much time we have. But yeah, it's it's here. It exists. I, I like I hey I love me a role playing game and I love me wrestling. So I'm down. But I don't know if Tom's willing to give up yeah. his chase life of. Have never never sullied his hands by touching the dice and understanding what Thacko means. I mean, well, I, what is what is that? You don't know what Thacko see? No, Thacko means to hit armor class zero. And it's does that mean you die? No, that's what you roll against to find out if you get a hit in Dungeons and Dragons. You see, so, Gary Gyax, who is the genius who invented <laughs> it, he uh, he invented the perfect system of of rules by which to play. And Thacko is one of the key components of the combat portion. Yeah, that's one of the flaws of the 80s wrestling game is reading this now. I'm like, wow, this is really flawed. Um, <laughs> you want to you put a fix in to the uh, 80s wrestling game too? Well, I, I guess it's, it's due for an update. Um, well, also, but, especially because like, I don't know if Hogan's the guy you want to put uh, as your demonstration <laughs> match in 2016, he could be he could be like the Donald Trump guy. Like, yeah. there's gonna be there's gonna be a bunch of people who just want to be Hogan now. That's true. Yeah, it's true. But here's the thing: is if you look in my rule book, uh, there is a page of the demonstration gameplay, and it's um, it just shows you how the gameplay would go. And I've pitted Hulk Hogan versus Blackjack Mulligan. Yeah. So it's an AWA NWA game. It's not a WWF game. This is like pre I think I did this on purpose so like the 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 game could be have some cred when I was even when I was a kid. So uh, I already like when I did this Hogan was already the WWF champion. Okay. But but I refused to put it in the rule book and I I his feud before the WWF was with Blackjack Mulligan. And that's what I put as the game demonstration oh, nice. gameplay. Yeah, so I kept it real. I, I I love I love the names of the wrestlers because I want to be King Kong Bunny or Carlos Colon. Man, that's okay. I you know I don't mean to throw under the bus, but that's my mom. She <laughs> she typed out the uh, rule book. <laughs> also the the demonstration page. It's uh, Demon Demon Station. I like this because it looks like I typed it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but uh, yeah, so there's a few, you know, I don't think she was um, giving this too much of a a second look here, but she she just typed it. She wasn't putting her full energy into it? No. No, she just wanted to, she just wanted me out of her hair because I yeah. was like, you got to type this up. <laughs> I, I like it when you go to this section here that is the uh, wrestlers list. Yes, um, I've noticed there's like uh, looks like there's like some sort of like Ric Flair. There's a hometown listed, 
Yeah. And then they, they are these their powers? What is this number? The three digit number beside their name. Okay. Um, I figured it out. I was having trouble figuring it out too, but, uh, the biggest number beside flair, it's 64. That's his, st- those are his stamina points. Okay. Okay. And then, um, I believe, um, his, uh, one of them is his speed score. Okay. And that helps, I believe with initiative. Um, and, uh, <laughs> see, there's lots of, uh, flaws. <laughs> You really went in on this. It so, took a lot of initiative. Man. Well, here's the thing. Um, the, the page that Damien's referencing, I think I just got tired or she got tired, <laughs> and she stopped at Andre the Giant, <laughs> which is the second wrestler, and no other wrestler has their hometown listed. No. no and he doesn't even have any of his, his stamina yeah. or his speed. <laughs> yeah. I think she's just like, look. I'm just going to write, feel free to add your own at the top of the page, and then everybody can just <laughs> fill it in. I, I so, was, but what's this, like, three-digit number, you know, like Ric Flair, 243? Oh, that's the, their weight. That's oh, that's just their weights. Oh, yeah, that's okay. just their weight. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I can't believe I didn't put, like, the columns and the proper titles. But, you know, I was just, I was in grade six or seven or something. Grade yeah. six. No, this is way more initiative than I had at grade, you know, even now. Like, I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't make a role-playing game. No. We, I, I like the idea of playing it and, like, me, like, stumbling through the dark when it comes to this stuff. But I think we're running a little long right now. Well, yeah, I, no, I, still, I, I, I do want to go. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't play the game. But I do want to definitely go through this final page of uh, coming attractions of other games that you were working on, because this V game sounds incredible. The original V game was a game was uh, based on the television series that at the time I was obsessed over. Yeah, and so did you have the doll? <laughs> did you have the V doll that came out? No, no, no. I, what is it? A lizard doll? Yeah, it's like a guy, and you could take off his face, and he was like a lizard, and make his tongue stick out. Oh my! I would love that now. Uh, I think someone's I got an eBay purchase in their yeah. future. Um, well, I <laughs> so also there, horse racing. You had plans. You had a lot of plans. The fencing yeah. game. The fencing game. Yes. The game is the game exciting, is, which takes a lot of luck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Kickboxing, kick and box your way through victory. I like the through part- victory, like through it, like. You won, just keep going till you lose again. <laughs> like, the martial arts series is incredible. There's like Kung Fu, colon, Animal Wars, over 350 different moves. And then number two, Ninja versus Ninja. Try your speed and skill in this fast-paced game. And then number three, Kendo. <laughs> Battle with Sticks, a truly exciting game, one sentence. Battle with Sticks, a truly exciting game. Uh, but like these compared to the other games, like Samurai Warrior, Battle with Swords against Monsters. I don't yeah. know. Every other game, it just seems like if you got Kendo for your holiday <laughs> gift, you would be bummed the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah. And then um, I think I was telling Damien earlier that I, I was surprised most at the Vietnam War game I was working on. And it's funny, too, because I didn't even know what the Vietnam War was at the time. So what is <laughs> just what is Diane's experiment? That sounds scary. Oh, yeah. Diana's experiment. She was like the lead lizard in the V series. Oh, 
Yeah, so these are modules. It's under the modules. Oh, okay. So this is yeah. all for the V game. Yeah, it's like a, it was a big deal. So I love that show. So are these crossover modules then with Scarecrow and Mrs. King and Murder, She <laughs> yeah, Wrote no. and Airwolf? No, but that, that's just a <laughs> typing error. I believe I typed this page out. Okay. I would love, because I would love a V Airwolf crossover. I think that <laughs> needs to be made. See, uh, Airwolf, Airwolf wasn't even a show that I liked, but a classmate of mine liked it. So I figured I'll put that in the listing, and then maybe he'd be interested. Yeah, he'd be interested in it. I'm not interested, but he is. I, I, I don't even like Airwolf. And, uh, and um, Murder, She Wrote, I wasn't really interested in at the time. So there's like, you know, I, I was more like pleasing my friends who were potential customers. <laughs> what seven-year-old was into Murder, She Wrote? <laughs> yeah, like, I, yeah, I, I just knew it was a popular show at yeah, the time. No, hey, you're, you're doing some research. You're going to aim for adults, too, not just kids. Murder, <laughs> yeah. She Wrote game. <laughs> I, I think, honestly... You could have been a role-playing game. You could have invented like uh, uh, Pokemon. Could I just kept? I should have kept going. You could but have, then I kept I, going. I got into heavy metal. God, music ruined your life. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then I got into punk rock, and then that was it. Oh, oh, wow! I'm sorry. I had to go through the last page. Thank well, you. the best part of the page is the last bit. I just want to make a mention. Coming next year, as if these were all done, uh, coming next year, time travel. Time travel is coming next year. <laughs> well, you're going to go, you're going to come back and explain it all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, yes, it's easy to see that music kind of uh, took me off my, my path. Well, I just like wonder. Did you apply all this creative energy immediately into music? Well, yeah, of course you did, because you made that documentary as a kid. Have you seen this thing, yeah. Tom? He made a documentary about no. Motley Crue. It was Motley Crue, right? Yeah, it was Motley Crue. When you're, how old are you when you made that? I was 12, I believe. It, 11 or 12. <laughs> it's like... Around the same time as this, uh, this, this game. Wow, you but, were a creative kid. I once I discovered Motley Crue and um, Van Halen. Uh, that was it. Rat. I was I was done. I remember that. I was oh, oh, did you ditch your friends that were into role playing games at that point? No, I think it was like a whole thing at school. Like no one was into it past grade eight. You know, I had so. to. I ditched my friends. I remember the day I came back after I dropped acid for the first time and went to play Dungeons and Dragons with them and. I couldn't couldn't close that psychic part of my right. mind that had been opened up. The psychedelic did part you, of my mind. Okay, did you play Dungeons and Dragons while coming down from acid? While you're in that like super <laughs> shitty mood? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably in retrospect. Now that I look back, no wonder I quit playing D and D that day. I had, I had a basketball game the first time I ever came down. The only time I ever came down because I never did it again. But, oh, I did not enjoy playing that basketball. Game. <laughs> And that was the last basketball game you ever played. It was close. I think I fouled out on purpose. <laughs> like I just started clotheslining people. <laughs> uh, uh, I uh, that's that's why I don't like mushrooms because that's the thing with mushrooms. There's that come down that just is brutal, brutal. But you know what? One day we should all do mushrooms and play this game. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm down. Sign me up. I'm Carlos Colon. Called it. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Well, we should we should probably wrap it up there. Um, thank you, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your 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 role playing game with us. Well, thanks, Tom. Thanks a lot. Nice meeting you through Skype. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is amazing. Thank you so much, buddy, for uh, coming on the show because this is oh, this is awesome. Thank you. Oh, a, a chance to you know talk about wrestling with you guys is is great. I I I, I love it. Well, now you got homework too. You got to go. You got to go watch uh, Nakamura and yes, and report back and see if you're. I have a feeling next time we talk to you, you're going to be talking about going to the G1 Climax series and routing tours around uh, Tokyo Dome shows, and that'll all mean stuff to you. The next, yeah, time I was going to say I, I don't really know what you're talking about, but it sounds exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think like that's the thing about wrestling in 2016. There's a wrestling event. Well, actually, it's been going on for a long time, called the G1 Climax Series. So there you go. It's exciting. Well, I want to go to NWA Con. Yeah, NWA Fan Fest. Fan Fest. I want to go to that. I would love to. I think once you find out, once you start listening to uh, Ric Flair and Kevin Sullivan and all these people's podcasts. Uh, we might never. Rick Flair has a podcast. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Is it? Can you subscribe to it and everything on, oh, oh, on yeah. iTunes? Oh yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. Man, I'm doing that. Oh, I'm no. doing that. Oh no, you've you've opened up a wormhole. Oh my god, that's crazy. A, a wormhole? No, that one doesn't make sense. Well, maybe a wormhole. You got that it, time it travel. Works. Just go with it. I'll go with it. Anyway, sorry. a rabbit hole. Yeah, rabbit hole. Whatever. A hole. <laughs> <laughs> Well, should we should we uh, should we do plugs and stuff? Yeah, let's do plugs. Danko, do you have anything you'd like to to plug for our listeners? Um, well, I would say dankojones.com and uh, I'm on Twitter, twitter.com slash dankojones, Instagram danko underscore Jones, and my brand new Instagram uh, account, which I just started last week. It's called um, Next Level Record Collecting, and uh, that's one week old as of right now as it's taping. It's brilliant. But, uh, it's a brilliant Instagram account. I very and, much love following it. And to you, Damien, I promise, and I believe I'm going to adopt this as the uh, the f- phrase for the account, I will not let you down. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You're the, you're the target audience for that. I, I think I am. Like I'm learning stuff on there. Like I did not know that there was a Star Trek bloopers record. Yeah, it's stuff like it's real kitschy stuff, and it dates back to um, the very first radio show I had on college radio called the Great Big Backward Show, and that's all I used to play is like Sean Cassidy records and Archie Bunker records, and and I, I've had this sitting around for years, and uh, I just decided last week to start posting them. Well, I, I think it's probably better than listening to some of them. This is true. And I've, <laughs> I've had some at my parents' house. And this whole week I've been going back and forth with my, my parents going, Do you, where's that stash that I had? <laughs> and <laughs> apparently I can't find 10 records that I need for next level record collecting. But whatever. That's my own little crisis. It's my first world problem that I'm going through right now. That's your want list. That's your uh, next level record collecting want list. Well, I own a Carol O'Connor record, and I can't find it, which is Archie Bunker's real 
like the art re- Carol O'Connor who played Archie Bunker. He put out a real record, and I own it, and I can't find it. So sorry, this is my problem. Does it this- sound like the beginning of All in the Family? Like no, it's him singing real songs. Like, but does he have that voice? Like, lad, they do like that. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's not as put on okay. as that. Okay, <laughs> couldn't imagine a whole record of that. <laughs> but yeah. But anyways, those are my problems. <laughs> so those are my plugs as well. I think. Right, well, if uh, if you like, you can follow me on Twitter at Tom Bryan and uh, read my stuff up on StereoGum.com, Damien. And you can follow me on social media at Lefford Damien. And with this podcast and all the other podcasts here, uh, tell your friends about them. Let your friends know if you enjoy it and uh, help spread the word. That would be a great oh, and- help. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, Damien, mm-hmm. but I forgot my podcast, which you are yes. a very big part of. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Ric Flair's got a podcast, and so do I. So uh, Damien's been on it many times. In fact, he's the the one guest we've had the most on. Um, it's called the Official Danko Jones Podcast. So sorry. I'm on a podcast. I should plug mine. And, and well, Chris Jericho's been on there, too. So go yes, back and yeah. find that one. And yeah, Wrestling like, fans. you've like because of Danko, I've been able to meet three of probably the biggest, coolest heroes in my life. Uh, you know, Chris Jericho, as we've mentioned, Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses, got to interview Duff one time with Danko, and Nick Flanagan. <laughs> but Nick Flanagan played in T Crud Combo, who do have a song called Suck It. About Generation X, the G Generation X, of course, not, <laughs> not Generation X, not not about the book. <laughs> they have a song called "Suck It" about an entire generation of people. Yeah, <laughs> slackers. It was like the first millennial anthem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, right, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll uh, hopefully we'll be back next week. All right. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.